Hello and welcome back to Endopod. This is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. This week, as part of the Covendo series, we'll be looking at Cushing syndrome and how it is affected by the current coronavirus pandemic and lockdown. We'll start by looking at what Cushing syndrome is before moving on to talk about why those with Cushing's are more vulnerable with coronavirus. We even have a guest speaker in this episode who'll share his personal story about dealing with lockdown and Cushing syndrome at the same time. So, what is Cushing's syndrome? Well, before we dive into that, we have to look at the adrenal glands in our body. The adrenal gland is made of two parts, the medulla and the cortex. The medulla produces catecholamines, such as adrenaline. The cortex is further split into three parts, the zona glomerulosa, zona fasciculata, and zona reticularis. The hormone impacted in Cushing's syndrome is cortisol, which is produced in the zona fasciculata. Cortisol is a steroid hormone, which has a variety of functions, including increasing plasma glucose levels, as it is permissive to glucagon and adrenaline. Cortisol itself stimulates gluconeogenesis, proteolysis and lipolysis, while it decreases insulin sensitivity of muscle and adipose tissue, all of which increase blood glucose levels. It is also a potent anti-inflammatory agent, as it switches off enzymes associated with inflammation, such as cytooxygenase and nitric oxide synthase. Since it has a permissive effect on noradrenaline, it causes vasoconstriction and generally stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. So, it is sometimes referred to as one of the stress hormones in our body. So, we have covered what cortisol is. Let's look at what Cushing syndrome is. Simply put, Cushing syndrome occurs when there is too much cortisol in the blood and there are various ways that someone can get Cushing's. They can have an ACTH-dependent Cushing's, which includes Cushing's disease caused by an ACTH-secreting pituitary adenoma, or they can have ectopic ACTH production, which is often associated with small cell lung cancer. The other category is ACTH-independent Cushing's, caused by exogenous long-term corticosteroid therapy. This is commonly seen in people who need corticosteroid therapy for rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, or even asthma. On the other hand, they may have primary adrenal gland disease, for example, an adrenal adenoma, or they may even have familial Cushing syndrome. Patients who have Cushing syndrome will have significant weight gain, particularly around their midsection, upper back and face. They will have characteristic purple or pink striae around their stomach, thighs and breasts. Their skin will thin and bruise easily, and they may have proximal atrophy of their upper and lower limb muscles. Patients may have increased appetite, extreme tiredness and emotional mood swings. Women may get hirsutism as well as irregular or absent menstrual periods. To treat Cushing syndrome, we need to decrease these cortisol levels back down to normal. This may include reducing long-term steroid treatments or surgery to remove a tumour if needed. Now we have the question of how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting those with Cushing's. Let's look at the molecular side of things. We know that cortisol generally has an anti-inflammatory effect. In Cushing's, the excess cortisol does this to a greater extent, having an overall immunosuppression effect. Generally, in the early stages of infection, the excess cortisol actually boosts the immune system by increasing cytokine receptor expression. But as the infection progresses, the excess cortisol eventually leads to a dampening of the innate and adaptive immune responses. 
There is a consequent reduction in B lymphocyte and T lymphocyte numbers, as well as a decrease in T helper cell activation. This may lead to opportunistic infections superimposing on the pre-existing coronavirus infection. Having said this, there is still a lack of solid evidence and data on the effects of COVID-19 in patients with Cushing's, but these patients can still be classed as immunocompromised and should be given adequate advice according to that. We've all seen and heard in the news that a new fever and continuous cough are the most common symptoms of COVID-19. Fever is one of the trademarks of any infection in the body. However, in someone with active Cushing syndrome, the inflammatory response is suppressed due to the excess cortisol. So this may limit the febrile response in the early stages of infection. With patients who have Cushing syndrome, early detection of coronavirus infection is a key problem, meaning they may pass the virus onto others without knowing, and when they do eventually get the characteristic symptoms, the disease will have progressed to more serious or severe stages, making treatment even more difficult than it is for normally healthy patients. It's important for healthcare professionals to be cautious with those who have Cushing syndrome and not only rely on the symptom of fever to diagnose COVID-19 infection. They need to look for other symptoms such as cough, loss of taste or smell and diarrhoea. In addition to having a delayed fever, these patients will generally have a prolonged duration of infection and are at risk of acquiring other bacterial infections at the same time making treatment even more difficult. Although fever may not be immediately present, other symptoms may be exaggerated, such as dyspnea. This may be because of respiratory muscle weakness or cardiac complications associated with Cushing's. Another issue with Cushing syndrome is that it has various conditions associated with it, including diabetes, high blood pressure and obesity. It isn't just a hormonal or endocrine condition, it is a multisystemic disorder. As I said before, Cortisol works alongside glucagon to increase blood sugar levels. Prolonged exposure to cortisol can actually cause an individual to develop type 2 diabetes. Check out our previous podcast episodes to see the details of how coronavirus affects those with diabetes. But as a summary, people who have diabetes on top of Cushing syndrome will be at a higher risk of developing coronavirus complications, such as breathlessness, severe pneumonia and acute respiratory distress syndrome, also known as ARDS. This is obviously a severe complication in anyone who gets coronavirus, but interestingly, it is thought that those with Cushing syndrome might have a slight advantage. It is known that for ARDS to occur, there needs to be a big inflammatory response within the lungs, including cytokine storms. This will eventually lead to the walls of the air sacs in your lungs being damaged. Now, the intriguing thing is that patients with Cushing's are immunosuppressed, which is actually advantageous in this particular situation. Their cytokines will be underactive and won't cause as much damage to the walls of their lungs, meaning they may actually be less likely to develop severe ARDS. Pretty fascinating, right? Let's look at another aspect now. It is known that COVID-19 is related to a hypercoagulable state. In Cushing syndrome, a similar situation occurs. Patients are at an increased risk of both idiopathic and postoperative venous thromboembolism. When a patient with active Cushing's presents due to COVID-19, it is strongly recommended that they are put on thromboprophylaxis, such as low molecular weight heparin, which is preferred as it is associated with lower mortality and disease severity in patients who have COVID-19. This is standard procedure for all patients who get admitted to hospital as they will be on bed rest, but this is doubly important in those who have Cushing's syndrome. We talked about the science behind Cushing syndrome and COVID-19. 
But what does this mean for the patient? We luckily have a personal story to share on this podcast from Jack, who has Cushing syndrome. He talks about how this pandemic has affected him. On to you, Jack. Cushing's, or in my case, steroid-induced Cushing's, due to a pre-existing medical condition. Where to start? Well, I'll start at the beginning when I first began to notice significant symptoms in regards to my Cushing's disease. I was put on a high dose of penicillin due to severe arthritis in all my joints. Within two days of being put on the high dose, I noticed a, a significant improvement of my joint function. I could move. However, after a week, I also noticed that I was hungry. Extremely hungry. I couldn't find anything that could satisfy my hunger. I mainly ate fruit, poppadoms, well, I mainly ate anything really. A month af after the dose, my initial dose, I began to put on some weight quite quickly. I must have gained about 10 to 15 kilograms within two weeks. Now, I hadn't been eating all that unhealthily. Unhealthily, yes, but not horrifically. In addition to the weight gain, I began to get round. My face became a football and my stomach a balloon. I was massive in comparison to my previous self. Furthermore, I got stretch marks, lots of them, from under, from under my arms to on my stomach to my legs, anywhere really. They just appeared randomly. And as a 17 year old, this weight gain and marks were the biggest thing that affected me with cuttings. I didn't feel like myself. However, symptoms continued. When I got discharged, after the starting of the prednisolone, I went home, started to get depressed. I had no motivation to do anything, except when I had these random bursts of energy for a day. My mum pointed out I was getting angry at the littlest things, sad over things that shouldn't be so, and happy for no reason. The mood swings were in full flow. After a year of the steroids, I began to get nightmares. Not the casual ones where you roll over and it's fine. The ones where you wake up shaking with fear and can't sleep for another hour. All in all, wouldn't recommend it. Then, when I was an, imp an impatient this year, the COVID epidemic began. At the start, I thought it was just a big media fuss. Can't be that bad, can it? Then, I noticed the nurses washing hands at every single opportunity they got. The antibacterial hand gel at the end of the bed got taken away because people were stealing them. This is when it began to hit home. Maybe COVID isn't just the media being the media. A few days after the change in attitude, patients started getting discharged at a fast rate and no one came to replace them. I was in for another couple of weeks, then I got discharged into isolation at homes. Due to my high dose of prednisolone that caused the percussions, I was defined as being in the high risk category, which meant I needed to shield. For me and my family, this meant I was not allowed to leave the house at all. If I needed something, I asked my mum to get it from me from the shop or ordered it off Amazon, which has been a godsend. Honestly, the amount of useless purchases I've made. When my family went for a dog walk, everything was disinfected twice whilst I was shut out the room. And then I couldn't touch it for a minimum of an hour. The joys. However, about three weeks after my discharge, I had to have a blood test. We rang our local GP uh, and she said there was a specific shielding clinic. So off we went, my monthly outing. I looked forward to it, which was a weird thing, but you know, the little things. The nurse who administered the blood test was in full PPE, as in a visor, gloves, apron, lab coat, everything. Not a bit of skin was on show. She took my bloods and told me that everything in the room was disinfected before we came, and after we left she would do the same. It was quite daunting to be honest, but I accepted the need and appreciated the effort that went into it all. Thankfully, now I'm reducing my prednisolone, so my cushing symptoms are decreasing. The nightmares are going, and the weight's leaving me. Slowly, but it's getting there. I've been Jack. Thanks for listening. A big thank you to Jack for sharing such a personal story.
As he said, patients with Cushing syndrome should maintain strict social distancing measures and of course continually wash their hands and maintain good hygiene. Their associated conditions such as diabetes or high blood pressure should be actively managed. As we discussed in length in the previous episodes of the podcast, diabetes itself is a huge condition to manage. It takes a lot of effort and willpower from the patient to stay on top of their medications, exercise, plan meals and activities according to insulin regimes and much more. The same thing applies to people with Cushing syndrome, especially if they have multiple conditions to manage at the same time. Patients who have Cushing syndrome should avoid outpatient attendance as much as they can and only go if absolutely necessary, similar to what Jack did. They are also advised to continue with their medications as prescribed and ensure they have a good supply of oral and injectable steroids. Generally, people who have Cushing syndrome can't fully stop their steroids due to underlying conditions such as arthritis. So it's all about finding that fine balance between managing both their underlying conditions that require steroids and the Cushing syndrome they have due to the steroids. If a patient becomes unwell with any infection, including coronavirus, they should double their glucocorticoid doses as per their doctor's advice and adhere to sick day rules. As I said before, Cushing's can be caused by tumours such as pituitary adenomas. Patients often need chemotherapy or radiotherapy for tumours causing Cushing's, both of which weaken the immune system, making them more susceptible to severe COVID-19 disease. However, most patients with a benign tumour need a surgery to remove it. It is important to weigh out the risks versus benefits in a pandemic situation. In most cases, a surgery to remove a benign tumour will be delayed during these times. And in those cases, the main treatment will be steroidogenesis inhibitors such as ketoconazole. For patients who are solely on steroidogenesis inhibitors, they should have a supply of stress doses of glucocorticoid tablets and an emergency injection kit of 100 mg hydrocortisone in case of infection or trauma. Another thing of note is that if patients who have a pituitary tumour start having visual disturbances due to compression of the optic chiasm, they need transphenoidal surgery to remove the tumour. Testing for coronavirus is required 48 hours preceding the surgery. If results are positive, it is best to delay the surgery until the infection has cleared. This is why communication is very important between healthcare professionals and their patients, to advise them on what is best and reassure them. Medicine isn't just about treating an illness, it is about treating a person. Of course, people with Cushing syndrome are going to be worried during such unprecedented times. It is up to us as healthcare professionals to make them feel at ease and answer any of their concerns. The pandemic and lockdown have been a trying time for us all, but especially for those managing a long-term condition such as Cushing's. They're at a higher risk of severe COVID-19 disease and need to shield themselves to avoid getting the virus. Not only is this difficult from a medical perspective, it is bound to be difficult from a social perspective. They can't see their friends or families, they can't even partake in everyday activities such as going shopping. So I absolutely applaud those with Cushing syndrome. They're not only fighting a physical illness, they're also fighting a mental struggle. There are several mental health platforms available, such as the Pituitary Foundation webpage and more. I hope you have enjoyed this week's Endopod episode and hopefully you have learned about the effects of coronavirus on Cushing syndrome for both a scientific and holistic approach. Join us next week where we'll be looking at the big topic of mental health and how it affects those living with endocrine conditions during lockdown.
Please do follow us on our Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages. Please like and share the podcast with all your friends and colleagues and of course I always welcome any feedback about our podcasts. If you have any requests for future podcasts, then absolutely let us know. As always, we're very grateful for the support we are receiving for our podcast. And once again, a big thank you to Jack for speaking about his experience on our podcast. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier signing off.